0: I'm going to say hello first and then apparently we're going to sit. Sorry, it just ruined the surprise. Yeah. Um, My name is Romy. I'm in here. Oh. Um, there's the volume control. That's Christina. I am so happy to welcome you all. This is a special thing, half day on Friday. Thank you for coming out today. It's lovely to see some familiar faces and many new faces as well. Um, Randy and Matthew are here, and they'll introduce themselves in a moment. I just wanted to say hello and greet you to Spirit Rock. We have four volunteers here today. They're all wearing name tags, so if you have any questions at all, you may ask the volunteers. Uh, there, there's restrooms outside and downstairs. There's a self-serve bookstore downstairs. There's tea and snacks downstairs. Upstairs, we have snacks. So if you'd like some tea, you'll go downstairs and if you would like filtered water, that's downstairs too. I just want to say, maybe at end of day at 4: 30, you're welcome to walk around the campus down here, but we have a 30 day retreat ending tomorrow, which is pretty exciting. and we, so we are not going to go past the wood fence because they've been quiet for 30 days. And they're just integrating slowly, slowly. So we'll give them another 24 hours of silence. Um, And you can stay down here. There's a gratitude hut. You're welcome to visit there. And I think that's it for the half-day announcements. Lovely to have you you both here. And thank you all for being here. Enjoy your afternoon.
1: Thank you.
2: Thanks. Uh, maybe we're a little loud. Yeah, I think so. Um, so welcome, welcome folks. Um, I think, uh, maybe just as the last few folks trickle in, let's, uh, let's just sit quietly together for a few minutes. there's a lot of energy running through the system, you might give preference to the force of gravity, the sense of being held on the earth, the gently soothing sense of the downward pull of gravity. The ripple of sensation on the exhale. If there's a lull in energy or fatigue, lethargy, you might instead focus on uh, the one thing resisting gravity, which is the spine that gently reaches upwards towards the sky. When we establish ourselves in mindfulness, even for just a minute, experience uh, starts to feel more and more safe. The ambient sounds, people trickling in. The sensations washing through the field, what we call the body, breathing, the thought, the feeling, can all take its place. Just uh, registering whatever impact this this theme, this question around technology, what that evokes in the heart and mind, kind of untangling the different threads of feelings and associations. Lastly, uh, just noticing what it's like to, for the attention to be simple in this way, the way it is when we sit or give ourselves to some very simple activity. We just give the attention a little something to pay attention to. but the rest of the different streams of, of data, of stimulation, just putting those aside. so welcome um, nice to uh nice to be with you um, yeah happy, happy to be all together and uh happy to be here with uh with randy there's a seat up front if you like um, Randy and I who work know each other we worked together at uh, mindful schools for some years and uh, then Randy went on to, uh, co-found, uh, an org, uh, center for humane technology, looking at, uh, as you know, Randy being a, a longtime, uh, Buddhist, uh, practitioner, having grown up in a Buddhist family and been a longtime practitioner and sitting, um, retreats and all that. And, um, and, you know my relationship with with technology uh, yeah I've been a long time Buddhist practitioner, but I didn't really get interested in technology and its its um, impact on meditation and Buddhism until I fell in love with my iPhone <laughs> and that Became an unmanageable <laughs> relationship. Um, so that's why I'm here. <laughs> uh, Mm -hmm. Randy and I we we did a uh, um, a, we had a a meeting for a few days at uh, the Insight Retreat Center last year and it was a leader it was a group of sort of Buddhist leaders like board members and Sangha leaders and teachers and uh, people who are mostly responsible for shepherding Buddhist communities and talking about uh, the various kinds of issues and um, and so we had sessions on, you know, we had sessions on uh, like uh, relationships between te- Buddhist teachers and staff members. We had sessions on, um, on, you know power power dynamics yeah diverse like we had a group that um t- talked about how they sort of uh built from the ground up a kind of wove in themes of diversity equity inclusion into the the different levels of um of the the hierarchy within the their their organization We had all these different kind of meetings and we had. Randy presented, um, on technology, which sounds like a, a kind of dry topic in some way, maybe, but it was actually of all of the, the presentations, it was, it was the most poignant one, actually. Um, and it, it sort of, uh, had the most meaning for, for the group in a, in a way, uh, because, um our attention and to some extent our sanity is at stake. And the point that really actually hit people was the um, people reflecting on um, their children or the lives of children and um, them finding their way in through a kind of technological matrix. And... um, I, I want to say, you know, for me I I'm not here as like a you know, anti dis, anti-technology or dismissive of that at at all. And like I remember when um I moved to Los Angeles and uh this is a while ago now and It was um, there were Thomas what was called Thomas guides. Are you with me? Yeah. Do you know those? It was like three. This is not exaggeration. Like three or four hundred page map. It was like a book, like this by this, and and several hundred pages, and you would just like. Bring that around wherever you went. You know, I have like, one in the trunk of my he car. He has, has one, it's one a very it, big one. It's it, still it, there. I it's, it's at the bottom. Yeah, it's, it's really wild. And it was like so. It was like grids. You know, like LA is so geographically dispersed <laughs> that you needed hundreds of pages of maps. And then it was just normal to just be like, all right, let's turn to page one twenty-seven. You know, H four. You know, like that was that was our lives, right? So. We've come a long way, right, <laughs> with Google Maps and these things, and so these are um, yeah, I'm not dismissive of the the value of of some of this. Um, and I'm um, even um, want to acknowledge, which maybe is heretical for like a ma- mindfulness teacher, to say that I know there's something soothing about mindlessness, mm. yeah like we we tow the party line here of mindfulness 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 like and it's said in the buddhist tradition that's the one thing you can't get enough of you every other spiritual value potentially puts you out of balance equanimity or compassion or like all those things they need to be counterbalanced by a force but it's actually said that mindfulness is 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 the balancing factor yeah and so that you you know the saying is like you cannot get enough of it, and um, I'm mostly sympathetic to that. But there are times when a fe- it does feel like a certain measure of mindlessness, unconsciousness, is just what the doctor ordered. Yeah. You you probably know those moments where it's like you're there's just like a hankering you know like you can taste it you know like mm, I could use some scrolling <laughs> you know
1: I could We're, use some infinite
2: scrolling yeah we may hit that point today but. Don't have your phones on, by the way. Um, we may hit that point, right? Um, but there is there is that, and actually, there's some research now. This is this is from a researcher who's very much into mindfulness, but is acknowledging the counterbalancing force of you know non mindfulness. So they, here's what they write. This is um, a researcher, Schooler uh, Jonathan Schooler at uh, Santa Barbara. So he says. Um, Given the ubiquity and impact of mind-wandering, it's encouraging that research research on this topic is becoming more commensurate with the significance of the phenomena. Each of us would be advised to take heed of the fact that mind-wandering can markedly impede our ability to perform to the best of our abilities. Developing the habit of mindfulness through regularly taking note of our thoughts and possibly initiating a meditation practice would be helpful for many of us. While the cultivation of mindfulness is likely to be useful, we should not seek to eliminate mind-wandering entirely from our lives, as it may offer some unique benefits when carried out at the appropriate times. Appreciating that this middle way is a worthy direction may be an important first step toward finding it. So... I do think we we actually ha- want, I want to start by appreciating a certain regulatory benefit that we get from some of our technology, yeah. How healthy it is, what the costs are, what kind of habit energies it creates, those are all reasonable questions, but it's not an accident that on BART or something everyone is on, you know, is on a phone, right? it's not an accident and it's not an accident that through evolutionary time this habit of mind wandering has been conserved over the millennia right that's not that's not just there to make us feel like bad meditators right like it does but that 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 habit is actually we have to ask like why has this been so pristinely conserved over evolutionary time, right? And, um, and so, so I have some, some respect for that and it is possible to live our whole life in what is essentially a blur of unconsciousness. You know, that is a, that's a real threat and it's, it's tragic. Um, the uh poet uh david white was um was working with a group uh, of uh, a group of executives this was at a t t and wrote this this vignette where um he was having them reflect on reflect on their lives and the sacrifices they made to work and their roles and money and all this stuff. And one of the, one of the, um, the executives, she called out from, you know, like they each wrote a little something and she shared what she wrote, uh, like a one line kind of poem. And, um, and so white writes, he says, uh, a woman wrote the following line. She read them slowly from the back of the room, unaware of how stricken we all were by the silence she created. She said, Ten years ago, I turned my face for a moment and it became my life. That sense of like, we just, I turned my face for a moment and then it's another decade, yeah? And the, the kind of um, way that time and our lives um, uh, slip away in uh, in the the face of un- un- kind of unconsciousness, so technology it, it intersects with uh, with dharma in in deep ways because it acts so profoundly on our minds. Yeah, uh, th- that we are that we're so wedded to it is itself uh, a, in, a, an indication that it's doing something potent that a lot of other things don't do yeah that, it, yeah.
1: yeah but yeah. in fact you in, in a lot of cases the the goal of the companies is to determine your next thought or predict your next thought like that is the ultimate level of success like when you wake up mm-hmm. that they'd say well here's what you should think
2: next. Yeah, mm-hmm. just,
1: just guiding your your patterns mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so to that level
2: yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah and and so um, uh, yeah so just to to acknowledge its effects on presence um, you know it 's the effects on the way that it 's a kind of channel for for our restlessness, you know like restlessness, which is said not to fade away until we 're fully enlightened it 's like it 's with us until the very end yeah uh that that it's like that bubbly kind of leaning forward something needs to happen in the next moment that that sense which runs very deep in us the the phones and you know other forms of technology they're they're a real kind of avenue for a, a kind of soothing of that restlessness but it's soothing it in a in a partial way yeah it's it's like we're piling one intensity upon another yeah and then we can live our lives in this sort of like over stimulated state where we're just chasing intensity by intensity in order to reestablish some homeostasis And loneliness—that was something, you know, something I noticed. It's like, um, yeah, some years ago, a a Dharma student like specifically asked me to give a talk on loneliness, and um, and I. I said I need to I don't I don't actually feel like I've paid enough attention like I don't feel like I know my loneliness well enough to give a dharma talk about it and I said I'll get back to you I'm going to study it yeah and he asked me a year later are you ready to give that talk and I said no I'm not and one of the reasons I was not ready to give that talk is because there was a kind of quasi friendship of the phone that actually interrupted me developing a clearer relationship with loneliness. Yeah, and that sense that this is a kind of another presence for our lives it may be useful in some moments. You know, if, if we really need something, but um also it's it's this kind of yeah, this pseudo companion of sorts, yeah, and it the technology acts on on our attention like so profoundly, which is our most basic currency in some way it's you know the way like in in the scientific literature around this path of meditative practice, the scientific term is often attentional training. That's what they kind of reduce it to. yeah And now maybe that's a little narrow, but it's the Buddha too said, um, "With regard to the internal factors, I don't envision any single factor like appropriate attention, Yoniso Manaskara, um, as doing so much for the practitioner in training yeah that, that is like really so focal is like that we have the capacity to move the attention to train the attention in different ways this is the the attention, sense of attentional agency and uh, uh, is very basic in even in who we f- what it feels like to be human and um technology often acts, it's like, it's like um, steroids for the monkey mind. Yeah. Like I, I, this happens. Like I, I can just Google the next thought that careens into my mind and that's scary, you know. And so it just that sense of like swinging from you know vine to vine that that kind of movement is it's um it's potent and as randy will uh we'll talk about in in a moment um you know we we're we are we're remarkably um, uh porous and suggestible and especially when we don't know our minds really well it's very easy to manipulate us you know and we see that at the you know this kind of political level to just see how how easily people can be divided and how you know essentially the kalesas, the force the defilements the forces of greed hatred of you know delusion these can be marshaled towards political ends yeah Because we are so sensitive and technology is kind of the avenue through which these buttons are pressed. And unless we're really um, careful with our minds, it's very easy just to live in the kind of dream that's been set up by other powerful forces. Yeah, Um, And so... Yeah, in some ways like, like uh yeah, you are the product, right? As the saying is, you are the product. Um after Randy's talk last year, I um I decided like, okay. I, I had actually moderated my use on the iPhone well, a lot. We went for a walk. What what after the talk, oh, right, after right, the right, talk, right. oh, yeah, this is my therapy session. Don't talk about that, Randy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you did this. No, out. Yeah. Uh, so, so uh, yeah, no, Randy's. It, it was I had gotten the. Mo- I knew he was working. We were friends. Like I knew uh, we. Uh, I knew I got the Moment app to track how much time I was using, how many times I picked up my phone, and it, I. I went from, you know, I, I don't think it was like. 50 or 75 times picking up the phone a day. And that, and I'm not even, like, I didn't even think I was a heavy user, you know, but it was like, that. that's... The average is 150. The, the average you're, is... You're, one, you're oh, okay. Well, the average is well. 150. So, but I, I had moderated, and so that I was only on it, I think, an hour or so a day. and But it, it was still, like, the temptation there all the time was just too much, you know. It's like... I don't carry around, like, I don't wear, like, a necklace of donuts all day either. You know, like, if I did... You'd look good. Yeah. You'd look good. Like, that's not a a good plan, you know. So it's like, all right. Never hungry? (laughs) That's right. So I'm like, okay, I just, I got to do it. And I, I went into Verizon, and I got the flip phone and uh traded back the uh the iPhone and um and the the guy was uh <laughs> he was really he was really concerned I appreciate it <laughs> he had a deep concern for me and uh and he was just like uh man you're not going to make it. I don't think you're going to make it. This woman, she did the same thing. Through And three days later, she came back, and she was like, I can't text. Uh. <laughs> so, anyway. And when it's I, like $120. Yeah. The phone is worth like $4. Right? Yeah, yeah, Like, here. Yeah. Oh. yeah. So Crazy. Crazy. But I did it, and it is It is really just an absolutely terrible piece of technology it's just they sort of stopped working on it as soon as the smartphone started to be developed so if i wanted to text like you you and you and say i'll meet you at dinner at seven at that would be like 400 depressions of the buttons you know it would take i mean no joke it would take several minutes to do um But as soon as I got it, honestly, and I'm not saying this to like pitch pitch it as, but as soon as I got it, something in me actually relaxed, you know, and it was just like, okay, I don't actually uh, my my attention is not being colonized in the same way, and I don't actually have to resist the lure of it, you know, because that itself takes energy too. Right, it's just like, it's just not, yeah, it's not not a, a lure, and so, um, uh, yeah, it's um, you know, obviously still kind of, um, finding my way, and this is not just about phones or anything like that, Randy. I'll open it up mm-hmm. to to demonstrate how, how it's a much bigger kind of question. And to some extent, the 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 intention for the day here and um, is a little bit to like rattle something, you know. Um, Just it 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 actually took me being a little afraid actually Mm -hmm. to you know make a kind of renunciation. Yeah, that was helpful for me, supportive for me. Um, and I'm not. I'm. I'm really not coming at this in a kind of evangelical way. Where there, where there are a lot of open questions. We'll have uh, after after the second half. We'll talk about solutions mm-hmm. and different things. But um, um, it's it's more just to actually establish that, like the title of the day. Like you know, when Randy said that is, a, is an existential threat to mindfulness. I. I actually, as a meditation teacher, just seeing how fragmented I, 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 my attention was, was like enough to kind of startle me, you know? And, um, yeah, so, so I, you know, it's the intention to like, as essentially as connoisseurs of attention, which is what meditators are, um, we should care about this, yeah? Yeah. In our personal lives, and within families, within our larger culture, and, and as a community, yeah, right? And as, as, our, a, as, as a community as a song here, here. Yeah. which is
1: why we wanted to do
2: this. It's a, yeah. it's a communal topic. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I think I think I will um, I will stop there. Um, uh, and. Yeah, maybe the last thought is is just the, you know, it's very it's just the busyness of our lives. Very easy to lose track of the the preciousness of being alive, of being born, uh, having whatever life we have left, and um, and you know, the the there is as I said, there is a kind of soothing side of of um of technology and sometimes of being lost in it but when we're lost in it we really are there is a sense of me like like we're just kind of warp zoning ahead closer to our death you know it's like that time is really gone in a deep way lost to forever in a way and how much we want to do that i'm not a, a saying none but how much we want to do that, I think, is a, is an existential question. Yeah. So I'm I'm happy happy you're all here. I th- you know uh, yeah happy to be together and happy to be talking about this. Please. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Thank you all for uh, for coming. Um. Yeah, there's, there's so much to cover here. as We tried to keep it. Within the three hour, the three hours, but you know, for me, like a lot of the lens that I view, um, a lot of technology and mindfulness and where that intersects is that life is a continuous training, right? From the moment we are born, we are just being trained in one way or another by the conditions around us. This is why having good friends is so important, right? In in our tradition, it's it's named explicitly. And the phone becomes your friend, right? This is the the challenge, is that it becomes around you more than just about anything else. So as a training, it is doing the training, right? And it turns out uh, training you in ways that are very profitable, but just not to you, right? (laughs) So that is how it works. And it's always harder, it's almost always harder to train good habits than to train bad habits, right? That's just how... That's the challenge we have. That's just how the existence is. Um, and so it's easy to undo Like large amounts of training and practice with a device like a phone that is around you for, for long periods of time every day. And we think about this, I think about this a lot because um, for most people uh, the children aspect of this is what brings the most emotion. And you know, all of us are, are so happy to see kids meditating in classrooms for five minutes, five minutes, ten minutes, really good. High school, 15 minutes is like a dream, right? Really good. But then they use the phone for five hours after that, right? Think about that. It's just, it is such a, it's such a losing battle. And it's, it's in some ways, it's depressing, right? That that aspect of it, because that is the truth. And there's just so much brain slicing that is going on in the way that the devices are used and the way that they try to capture our attention and the tricks that they use to do that. And all of that is just training, right? So it's, it's training kids in ways that are, are really not conducive. And it's about, you know, much more than just attention, right? In in the end, for example, right, if you grow up in a, in a world, and I think, Safe to say none of us grew up in this world, right? The world where likes and comments and shares are the currency of social relationship, right? That is how it's measured. And you grow up with that. It's kind of like gravity's out there and there's like another set of rules that govern social relationship. And this is how it works. And when you observe that, like kids learn so quickly. So naturally they will adapt to that. When you adapt to that, Gradually, it shifts your values. That's that's a really big problem, right? In addition to the attention training, it's training your your character. It's training what's important to you, right? And how you see the world, and what you think you need to do as your next action, or what how you predict how someone will respond. And so you can see that that starts to have some pretty significant um, implications. Um, in a lot of ways, the, the technology, as as meditators, as people who are interested in observing our minds, it gives you tons of opportunity to observe your mind. Uh, so one example is, uh, you know, when people are on BART and they're all looking at the phones, it's not always because it's mindless scrolling. There's also this thing, I think of, uh, it's probably two things, right? One is the mindless scrolling the other one, you know, the distraction side, the other side is actually the self-important side, where we think we are so important, we have to check that next email. Because like, what if people don't get a reply in the next 30 minutes, right? I am so important. That myth is a, is a really important one to look at. And that's a big part of why everyone is stuck to their phones. And for us, it makes a lot of sense because this is a self exploration, right? There's an identity, there's an ego, there's a whole thing there uh, to look into. And if you are interested, uh, and you can maintain enough mindfulness to kind of observe that, there's a lot. There's a lot there. Right? There's a there's a big myth there, and you can test it just by turning your phone off for a day or going on retreat, and you realize like not much happened really, and everyone is fine. The World is still totally fine and you were gone for a week it didn't matter at all right it's a really ego shrinking experience right this is just to remind yourself that each time uh and in a lot of ways it actually works out better if you don't reply to things quickly like right? it it can it can just yeah for many reasons so um there's th- so this is part- and then there's another aspect which is the the sort of instant gratification piece of this right so We get trained, uh, again using that same lens, we get trained to expect results very quickly. And because the devices, right, the the whole one of the important ways to keep people on your platform or your app or whatever it is, is to make sure they never wait, right? They always get what they want immediately. That is not good training in equanimity, right? That is actually bad. It, It trains you exactly opposite from what you want to. To train it, right? Being able so, if you grow up and you were using this type of app or device constantly, right, from the age of two or three, it's hard to be patient because you've learned that you your will gets exerted when you when you will something, it happens immediately, and they're working constantly to make that happen even faster, right? Faster with less effort, uh, less resistance. And sometimes I deliberately don't do things I don't turn on different like assistants or tools or autocomplete just for that reason, just to make it a little bit harder still because I don't want to forget everything like I am impatient because i was I grew up in this world where I don't like it when the computer is slower than my inputs like I'm not used to that, and it's still i mean I know it and i don't i don't enjoy it, but I try to you know, keep it at some level, right? Because you, you can make it easier and easier and easier until there's just, like, nothing left to, to do. Um, so I think, you know, one way of saying that is, yeah, you know, that, that famous marshmallow test, right? You're, you're sort of, get, the kids are being trained to eat the marshmallow all the time as soon as it appears, right? Just eat it. And that's a, that's a big problem. Um, it also creates a, a, a myth of control, right? That you have more control on everything, than you actually have. And because, because in the end, when you get to sickness, old age, and death, you have very little control. And you can sort of live in this world where you never get used to tackling uh, adversity or resilience. And then when you get the real stuff that you can't avoid, you're going to freak out, right? You're just, you're just not well equipped because you haven't been training, you haven't been practicing for that. So these are all these are some of the side effects that that people don't talk about as often right because attention everyone talks about attention like sure, but there's just so much in there um, and there is this sort of constant manipulation that is that is going on and and there are a lot of opportunities to explore so uh, we'll talk more about that part later, but for example, if you if you look carefully at your intention every time you're about to post on facebook you don't post very much if you were to write it you post very little right if you were to explicitly write the honest intention behind the post you look like an idiot right so you really don't you're just like well i want you guys to know that i i did this awesome thing or like it's it's almost always will tie back to some like egoic thing it's really not not very uh helpful almost always and so then you, you, your post count goes down a lot and uh we tried to so we just launched our you know center for humane technology social feed right this this week we took like a year since we launched we just said we're we're, we're going to think this through carefully and it took us a few weeks to actually write it up and and one of the things is we want to communicate when we post why we post right and we're going to write that in the facebook post as like as like a little addendum to the post and we cuz one of our goals is to model how to do that right and if you do it right you end up exploring a lot more about what's going on in your mind if you do that you won't post very much right because you you just see too much of this kind of darker side and actually it's an opportunity to explore that side and say well why am i why am i doing what i do which is uh connects very well with mindfulness, right? You want to explore that. Um, So, excuse me one second. Another really interesting thing to look at is um, what it feels like to use the technology. Uh, For example, when I, I'm barely on Facebook, like I, I, Check once I just it doesn't work for me anymore. The feed has actually my feed is broken. It just it doesn't give me anything it doesn't give me anything interesting anymore. And so I, I'm not about to use it to help it repopulate. And so it, it actually just not a not a rewarding experience anymore for me at all. So uh, I go just because people will, will tag it's like someone's birthday or something and I'll be like, you know, if I don't know them I unfriend them on their birthday. And it's <laughs> It's terrible, but but if you don't know, like I'm just like wow, I don't really know because it just reminds me to I'm like, who is that and and um, <laughs> how that happened? It, there's it's more legit than it sounds, but I'm not that terrible a person. People here they're like, you are such an yeah ruthless, ruthless. Um anyway, point is uh if you if you scroll down right, you scroll down the, the a normal Facebook feed, like I said, not mine but but a normal Facebook feed. it goes from like an inspiring right like a cute meme right there's like inspiring, yes, there's a trump something did this thing right, so then you're so you're what's your mind right it's like, oh inspiring, ah, it feels good and then something explosive right, oh my God, we need to all do this like this is terrible, I can't believe okay. right that. Then there's like, oh, here's my here's my kid's birthday, right? Cute picture. Then there's like the kitten, right? There's like all of the kittens typing, right? <laughs> the the whole thing. But your mind gets sliced, and I find that very unpleasant. Actually, if you with just that feeling of just scanning one page of five different types of posts, you can really feel your attention being shredded, and and it is I find it quite unpleasant, and I think that's worth looking at. Because then that helps you to be like, ah, well, that's what's really going on. This is not, first of all, it's not really helpful. Um, some of it, I, I don't want to say, like, in a lot of cases, it is a very good way to see what's new with your friends. Because people are posting pictures of, like, if you care about one of your friends and you want to know what's going on with them, once in a while, I'll, I'll if I'm going to meet someone, I'll look at their page and just see what they've been up to, just their, their feed. Because you actually see what's important to them and what what's been happening that's I can't say that's not useful that's a useful thing like that that's a pretty human uh, human thing it's not trying to manipulate me in that moment but as soon as you go back to your feed then everything is up for grabs um, and so this this so I wanted to talk a little bit about kind of the mechanism like what is going on right the uh, the idea of taking your attention, right? So as Matthew said, you are the product because you are the one that's being sold. Your attention is specifically what's being sold, right, to the highest bidder. That's how the game works. That's why these products are free. That's how the business model works. And um, because of that, right, because in the end these companies, so like Facebook or Twitter, their business is like 95% or more ad-based, right? So it's about getting attention, keeping attention and monetizing it effectively. So they use a lot of different tools to to do that, right? Different physiological tricks, right? They know what you're vulnerable to and they just keep playing those cards for you. And so then you get suckered into scrolling or clicking on things. And that's, we can't not, we can't not lose that battle, right? When When you look at, Technology that is constantly analyzing all of your behaviors and then and then saying, well, how do I optimize against that and updating constantly? It's not a battle that humans are well equipped to win um, at all. Like it's impossible to to win it at length um, for any significant period of time. And so, but unfortunately, what happens is so this attention right is now being taken and monetized very effectively. Uh but then, in addition to all of these side effects that we already talked about right mental health and social relationships, because you can buy the ads, it's really easy for Russia to buy the ads right like it's really it's a very inexpensive way to divide a country is to buy a few few th- tens of thousands of dollars of ads um as an example right because of the way the electoral college works in this country. You only need to convince, right? Because most of the map is set already, right? There's like five states that determine who wins the election. In those five states, there's only tens of thousands of people who are actually the swing voters who determine the election. So it's super efficient, right? It's extremely efficient to buy ads to influence that correct set of people, to go to groups, to do protests. You can do all kinds of things to influence like, national elections, right? Um, another thing you can do which Russia loves to do is to just buy uh, buy ads just to divide us they don't actually care anything any topic that is a lightning rod topic that is not taken like not not, uh, there isn't a lot of activity around it they will post videos on YouTube uh, conspiracy theories buy ads point people to groups there's all these there's like a long playbook that, that is used and what that does is they don't actually care right what happens, and it doesn't matter if it's even uh, if you're on the right side or the wrong side, the factually accurate side or not, the fact that you 're lit up is all that they want. They just want two sides that are lit up to just keep dividing and that is that is a lot of what is going on um, right now it's very effective and it 's a lot cheaper than buying billion dollar fighter jets right it's just like unbelievable and we actually have this is a system that is in place hundred percent legal, right I mean there's nothing illegal about most of the things that are going on they're just they're using the systems as intended as they were designed um, so what you what you end up with is a lot of misalignment between your interests like your individual interests, our interests as a society and as humanity, and what the what the platforms are their interests right because they need to maximize their revenue. And when they do that, that does not line up well with the rest of us. So this is kind of the heart of the the problem. Um, And so you end up with all of these different risks at play, right, from mental health to social relationships. Uh, For me, one of the biggest, possibly the biggest worrying one is the breakdown of truth, like what is true and not true. Because you need that as your basis of, Solving problems, right, resolving arguments, you need to at least be able to agree on some common ground and then you build from there and be like, okay, that's your view, like I understand that, I can articulate that. Can you articulate my view? If you don't have any facts to stand on, I think it's really hard. If you can't agree that, you know, the earth is round or there's gravity or whatever, like this kind of stuff, it becomes really hard to find common ground um so that scares me the most because and then and then you add on to that the ability to fake uh audio and video right very very convincingly um this is now it's now solved for people all you need is is enough video footage and you, of of someone and unfortunately right presidents have lots of video footage so they're really easy to fake very accurately and you can make them say and do whatever you want and you can then give that footage to other people and say like, look, look what he said. And we're stuck. That, that line is over. That, that technology is already there. Um, it is widely accessible. Uh, so this is kind of the, the scary side of all this and, and, uh, don't want to get too much into that side of it, but it, it's just important to be, to be aware of. Um, that relates a little bit less to mindfulness because you it 's just a different it 's a different problem, and no matter how much mindfulness you have, you can 't tell if a video is fake or not it 's just beyond our our ability right and that's that should be scary <laughs> uh, and then the other thing that that worries me is just uh, i mean you 've got the kids right which we talked about, and then the the all of this when you combine it together, it makes it hard for us to tackle the world's biggest problems like real problems when you don't have these foundations right of social relationship of facts it becomes pretty hard to tackle serious problems right oh, and attention you don't have enough attention you don't have the shared facts and there's there's this like divisiveness constantly that's not a that's not a good environment to tackle difficult problems so that's uh it's a scary sort of things. And and so this is why I think we we titled this, right? This session as, as technology as an existential threat to mindfulness. Not all technology is, but there is a significant chunk of it that is widely used by billions of people uh, that is currently operating in a way that is an existential threat to mindfulness. So that's why we're sort of, we wanted to bring that issue up. Um, so that's kind of the... the the background, um, I think, that I wanted to to cover. Oh, one last thing is, you know, people often talk about ah, but like new technology has always been like this. Right? There's always been trouble. There's the photo, right, of people all looking at the newspaper in the in the subway, right? I'm sure you've seen that one. And uh, what's different this time is there's a number of things. So one is that we are connected in, the, in a very intimate way to the devices that feed us this information, right? That was not never true, where you walk around with the thing all the time, and you look to it to guide your next decision, where you go next, how you get there, who you talk to, right? All of, There's a lot of thoughts that then eventually become your character, right, step by step, um, that your device... Uh, guides you towards right it's sort of it's doing that training process so that's one thing that has never been true uh, to this level uh, another one is how they dictate our actual social relationships right they define our social norms because so many people use them even if you say like I'm not going to use any of this everyone else around you still does and at work like you can't you can't escape from it so there's it's sort of a larger problem, right? It's it's like, it's a societal level problem. The third one is this AI-driven um, technology or right? AI-driven analysis of what's going on. So every time you interact, data is being gathered about you and it figures out, based on that behavior, how can I hook you better next time? And that's just this constant training pattern um, Every mouse movement, even when you don't click on something, like, all that information is, is there. And uh, so that's, that's something we never had, right? Like an ad on TV is not adaptive. It's not based on, it doesn't change based on how quickly you changed the channel last time, right? Or, or how long you watched it. Or, um, and eventually, right, when you have cameras that are actually pointed at your face all the time, how you know how quickly you blinked or how quickly you looked away or all of that right so there's a tremendous amount of information and the last thing which is kind of a combination of all these things is the ability to target you very precisely right so this is again the service that facebook and twitter and, and all of these ad based models offer the 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 whole point is to be able to allow an advertiser right uh to very precisely target specific people, right? So if you, if you run ads, even for good, right? So like we were we were Mindful Schools, we were buying all these ads, right? To to help get people into mindfulness training, which seemed like a good thing to do. And when you're on that side, it's awesome because you can say, all right, I want people of this age, this gender, who live in these states, specifically these cities, who are interested in mindfulness or yoga and are educators And uh, I'd like to show them this course, and that doesn't feel like you're doing anything wrong, right? In that case, that feels like a like a harmless thing to do. The difference is, and again, the harmfulness in that scenario depends on what you put in your ad, what you what you're selling, how you're selling it, and saying like, "I promise," you know, what promises you make. Um, But as an advertiser, it's a beautiful it's a beautiful thing because it feels really helpful. Your money goes very, very accurately to the to the eyeballs that you wanted, but on the other side, it's not a great thing, right? So that's the reality of um, these systems. So yeah, um, that's kind of the that's the intro. This is kind of the darker side. So I hope it's not too depressing. Uh, sometimes I do this at dinner parties, and my wife's like, "Okay," because it results in silence. People are like, "Oh crap." like we're screwed and uh, because it is it is sort of where your mind goes right you sort of walk down this path and you're like okay uh tell me some good news please and that's later so we'll we'll talk about that i mean it's a hard problem yeah i'll admit that um but we, we will talk about some
2: some happier news
1: yeah. But he wanted to keep some time to sort of just talk about yeah. your, your reactions. Yeah. Uh,
2: anything you want No, no, no. I wa- want to open it up. But the, the, just as you're saying that, uh, what flashed through my mind is the, the Buddha-like saying, dukkha is to be known. It's to be comprehended. Yeah, The, the, yes. the, the first noble truth, dukkha, that there is suffering or sometimes translated as stress, dissatisfaction. And it's to be understood, and and I really do feel like for the most part we're in a kind of problem definition phase, you know, where we're actually we actually and what the org is doing, and Tristan Harris and the, and the 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 crew is like it, it's like sounding a certain alarm bell that we've acclimatized to a level of of madness actually and and um and it's uh, we really need to just be asked some very critical questions about what we want to do with it, what feels okay to do with our minds uh basically on, on one side yeah what what to do with our minds and
1: then on the side of the people who are building the technology right how right. can they become yeah. aware of what they're building and the consequences and how do you, th- there is a sequence of actions, so I'll just tell you, just because I think I should tell you some good news, um, that there is a sequence of actions that you can take, and this is what we do, is to to ultimately change, right, how the products are built. It's a very complex thing, but, but that that is the goal, and that it's, it's a doable thing. You can define what humane technology really means, what it looks like. Uh, no one's saying it's easy, but that there's a pathway to doing that, and then you have this widespread adoption of stuff that is a lot less harmful, like like obviously directly harmful, and that it is is possible. So,
2: yeah. so before we um, take a take a break in maybe fifteen twenty minutes or so, um, what? Um, yeah, why? What's close to your heart about this? What questions are animating you? Why are you? Here, what are you? What kind of support are you seeking? Or clarity? Are you seeking? And um, yeah, and we'll you know, maybe uh, say, you know offer some words. Uh, so, uh, and we'll we'll use a mic. So, thanks, Pat, for running running the mic. Yeah, what's on your mind?
3: thanks for that intro. um you mentioned a couple of technologies that you seem to think are more redemptive, like the moment um or even just you know the Apple time limits you maybe mentioned There's also a lot of meditation apps popping yeah. up. I mean, how do you sort of rectify that these solutions are being created through the same platforms in which the problem space exists like do you see any potential pitfalls of? Sort of making the solutions the same form as the problems,
2: right? Yeah. So one
1: one big trick, uh, a tricky area is is they're we kind of often it as band aids and solutions, right? So if you smoke a lot and someone tells you how much you smoke each week, that's not a solution. That's a band aid. That's just saying like, all right. And and your behavior might change, but it's it's not likely because it's not going to look at the the Intrinsic motivations, or like why you're doing the thing you do, right? And so, in a similar way, the screen time app, right? When when it's good, it's it's really it's better than nothing for sure, right? To to actually get a graph each week, and that's the default, right? I- iOS, if you did nothing, when they upgraded to, I think it was iOS twelve, you sort of you get that, right? It just tells you each week, here's your screen time report, and that's the default. That's a good thing. That's a good step, but you have to be very careful with the band-aids because sometimes they can just enable you to keep doing the thing you're doing. And sometimes maybe more, right? Um, so some of these things fall in that category. The uh, Even Moment, which is great, but Moment has actually some sort of uh, training, right? I think you have to pay a little bit, a small fee to get the premium where they he really tries to train you. Born in it's called Born in Born in, okay. Okay. And yeah, because I looked at it a while ago and he, he yeah, bored and brilliant, she's saying. Um, yes, I believe so, right? Yeah. So so, just installing Moment, he gave me the stats a while ago. Um, he's a really great guy who's working on that thing. And just by installing it, people's usage did go down. And then when you buy like the training version, which is like $2 or $5 or whatever, it, it, the average time spent on the phone goes down quite a bit because he's built a kind of a little mini uh, training program, right, to help you wean yourself off. There are other technologies. Um, good examples are, are FaceTime, uh, Google Maps. Largely, um, are are pretty clean, like because they do what they promise to do without diverting you to something else, right? They, FaceTime promises to connect you with someone else's face and it does that and it's pretty high quality and it doesn't try to trick you into doing anything else. Now where that gets tricky is the more like the more little emojis or 3D distractions you work in there, right? There's like a dark path that you can start walking on. Google Maps, right? Same, I mean, very easily, right? You can you can go astray very easily, and then it becomes again amusement instead of like that deeper connection that you were trying to get. Uh, Google Maps generally is often we all cite that as a very good one, but if you think about it carefully, which things show up on not just a map, right? But which stores, which things show up? That's where the game is played, and it's um, generally it's not a big offender so it's generally a pretty good example you, you say where you want to go you turn it on and it gets you there and then it kind of turns off right it doesn't try to sell you a product on the way right when it starts saying you know you're passing by the donut shop Matthew like your necklace is missing a donut like you need a pink one and it's like it's here at this donut shop then then there's a problem right or like the the diamonds are, you know you're missing some diamonds that kind of thing right so so there's a fine line where the, because they gather so much information from you in the process it's it's so tempting to monetize that and that's what's really tricky right to kind of not monetize it if your business model drives you to do it capitalism demands that you do it and you've got all this info cuz you know where Matthew goes all the time he goes by the donut shop all the time and the donut person's like I will give you 5 bucks to make Matthew come here and buy a donut every day right so then it's like, all right, well, right, that's what happens. The, the motivations are, again, not aligned. So does that make sense? Kind of a longer answer, but I wanted to touch on both sides of the band-aids and the solutions. Um, building truly humane technology means it's, it's much more respectful, right, of what your actual intention is. So meditation apps tend to do really well on that spectrum, right, because they don't... Generally, they don't try to sell. If they started trying to sell you cushions all the time, right? Or, but they generally just like count the count the minutes, ring the bell, like tell you who else is meditating. Like you know, pretty pretty good. Um, it does what you asked, and then it it's respectful and leaves you alone. So, yeah. okay. more questions.
3: So. Um this is sort of a little bit more on a personal level and relationships in the family, loved ones, polarization, division, the American divide, mm-hmm. <laughs> technology, technology and Luddites. <laughs> and we've got the divide in my family and um, my partner of like 35 years, wonderful beauty such a loving person, and not a Dharma practitioner, and I am, but very interested in my path. We have a great relationship, and um, there's a person, he is, um, he's just, he, he delights in technology, he finds it fascinating and fun, and he doesn't feel um, intimidated by it. He understands it really well. He's a computer engineer, and he likes to use Alexa and all this stuff, and I um, I use more technology because of my relationship with him, and I think from what you're saying, I pr- I feel as though I'm on pretty clean sites, and and I don't feel incredibly manipulated, and I am aware of the addiction that I do have and how much I'm pulled into it. Um, but when, especially when. Um, you know, when when I wake up to the really scary implications and and he's aware of that too and he's concerned about it too Um, but the, you know, the um, activation of the nervous system in the family, then it it can get polarizing um, right in the middle of the relationship and so um, I really appreciate what I hear so far. The little bit I know about the Center for Humane Technology, really good minds looking at this and not taking a polarized view, you know, like you introduced this. Um, and so that's what I'm really looking for is open discussions that doesn't demonize anybody or anything. And how can we co-create a good, healthy future for everybody without demonizing people who have a phone in their hand, you know. And um, so I'm just saying that this is, a, uh, for me, um, a really challenging thing. You know, to have healthy conversations yeah. around it and accept people on various sides of it. So I don't know what I'm asking for, yeah. but that's why. Kind of a big thing that's coming up <laughs> as we're. You know. I,
2: I appreciate I'm Thank glad you. you put that in the room. Yeah. Thanks.
1: I have one, just one thought. I, I think the audio maybe, is it still on? I feel like I, during the middle of that, the. Oh, there, that's okay. Um, you know, one thing that might be interesting is just to explore um, some of those things that I mentioned together, right, with your partner. This thing about convenience. Uh, this is, like speaking of Alexa, right, like uh, convenience, um, you know, self-importance with respect to email, or whatever. there's all these other areas that are not just about attention, right, or what happens, or what type of habits are we training ourselves to have, um, you no know, curiosity in in devices and what they can do is is generally i i don't think it's very harmful it's probably relatively safe it just really depends on what you're curious about because it's so easy to get sucked into some black hole right now and right so anyway just a few things yeah. there's one at the back too i think
4: I'd love to hear a little bit about, I feel, I feel like a lot of what I'm struggling against is the standard in my industry and the response time, Mm -hmm. and, you know, we have a, I have a small law firm, so I don't know if it's a, if it's a law firm thing or a legal industry thing, but we pride ourselves on giving really great customer service, and that is you know, multifaceted much more than beyond response time. But I do feel like a lot of it is the expectation today and response time. And, and I just don't know. I mean, I suppose ultimately there's, and there's, and there's certain clients, like we just took on a, a new client that I was super excited about, a really big client. And they warned us when they came on that, they would have really fast response times. And they said this is, you know, we're we're not, we don't, we're not proud of this, but this is, we have a very disorganized CEO and, and he forgets things and then all of a sudden needs an answer. And so um, the legal team, we need an answer really fast. So um, even when they realize it's a problem, sometimes they still need things really, really quickly. And, you know, it's just, it can be really unmanageable. So... You know, I don't know, is there a solution beyond just letting go of some of those clients? You know, that, that's what I'd love to hear about. And the whole, I really liked what you said about the self-importance thing and just realizing, like, things get solved. So I'd love to hear more about that as the day goes on. Mm. Thank you.
2: Yeah, thank you. Thanks. Um, yeah, I, I don't um, have much, much to offer, honestly. But um, one... Um, just one thing that feels useful is to actually create, you know, yeah, maybe, maybe there's, there is a certain trade-off, like, okay, I'm, I'm acquiescing in a certain way to this line of work and, you know, uh, um, and, uh, this client or something. And okay, yeah, there's, there's a certain level of renunciation involved in that, but, um, I, I, you know i do think like okay even if even if there is a commitment to fast response times there's some firewall at you know like you bound your time so that it at the very it doesn't leak into all of your life, and maybe that you offer a big window when you're going to be reachable, and you know, um, maybe more than you're comfortable doing. Maybe that's actually just part of the sacrifice of working with somebody you want to work with or earning this money or something. And that there's some sort of sense of like at some point the day ends, you know, and that you don't you know, you're off at some point. And so actually brightening that line that distinguishes, you know, so that it just doesn't kind of seep into all of one's life and weekend and ev- everything, yeah. And so that that's something to, to consider, yeah.
1: Th- there's a few, um, some fields are like that. Legal is one of them. Um, medicine, like ER. If you work in the ER... It's like that, right? It, it's it's going to be like that. Um, I'm always very happy when my when I write to my lawyers because I have a question that needs an answer, and it's normally pretty quick. So that's the that's the nature of that. Uh, but so one practical thing that might work, I mean, on top of everything you said, is just like staggered hours, right? Where you've got someone else on the team staffing because not everything is urgent. Just because it comes in at eight p.m., it doesn't mean they need the answer at nine. So you, you create some protocol with your client to say, like, when it's urgent, here's what you follow, text or something, if it's super urgent, then you can be sure that you don't need to look at your email the rest of the time, whatever it is, but there's some protocol or some staffing that allows you to stagger so that, yes, the team member has to be on, like, when they're when they're obligated, right, it's their shift, but when they're not on their shift, they know they can just go home and, and relax, right? So there's some practical things like that that might
3: might help I don't know. hi I was very curious about the idea of mindlessness that you were talking about at the mm-hmm. beginning and I've noticed that I need that mm-hmm. and I use my phone I'll watch TV um, to zone out mm-hmm. and I feel really guilty about it and I was wondering if you had tips on maybe more humane forms of mindlessness and how to mm-hmm. um, still be engaged in spiritual practice when yeah. you're being mindless
2: Yeah, 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 Um, yeah. I appreciate you sharing that because I think I think probably a lot of us meditators are like a certain measure of shame, you know, around that kind of thirst for a certain, for lack of a better word, mind mindlessness sounds pejorative, but it's um, um, yeah. So, so one is to. one is to acknowledge that our our th- hunger for that is going to change depending on the de- depending on the depth of stimulation that we've encountered the rest of the day, yeah and so um, when there's a lot of intensity, and specifically when there's a lot of e- egoic titillation that happens, positive or negative, it creates a certain kind of hunger to s- smooth it all out somehow and we smooth it out by checking out and letting some kind of like now I'm just making this up by the way but like some kind <laughs> of background process where it, it's being digested in a certain way but um um where yeah the 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 it's it's like a um yeah, it's self-soothing, but it's it's a there's some subtle process of digestion that's happening in it and um I and so so it's going to vary. It changes over the course of our practice. You know, like, I, I mean, I think most everybody I know does some, some of that, has something like that. Um, but, but I do think the demand changes over time. But that's not a function of like, oh, I shouldn't do this. I need to let go or something. It just naturally happens that we're, we, um, we, mindfulness is an acquired taste, you know, and the kind of, uh, hangover of unconsciousness starts to be more unpleasant. And so it actually reinforces more awareness in a way, but some measure of it. I, I I think that part of the key is actually like, how much do we need? And then when do we just cross over into just the momentum of it? And, like, you you kind of know when you're like, all right, I've checked these things and it's all good. And then it's like, fuck it, let's keep going, you know. And it's like <laughs> Thelma and Louise, you know. Like, right, we're doing it, you know. And uh, it's like that, uh, that, that's not onward leading. You know, like that side of it when it's like, that's like now really kind of recreation not helpful actually maybe like that's maybe where it starts to be counterproductive whereas it had a certain value you know and um, and as far as like actually being awake during that I you know I don't I think the nature of that particular kind of soothing is um is its unconsciousness but we can look to see that um there is something wholesome going on that we're actually not reinforcing other unwholesome seeds in the mind yeah and so okay we're yeah we're kind of spaced out but we're not spaced out and reinforcing greed and aversion too yeah and so it's like, okay, and then, yeah, becoming sensitized, when is it enough? And it, the enough is probably going to be sooner than we think. But like, you actually tune in, like, oh yeah, that's complete, that's complete. Yeah, and for all of us to explore.
1: Yeah, is I just a question one, uh, This front? one yeah. really quick thing, but when yeah. I notice I'm being mindless, it's when, like, I'm noticing my hands are repeating, normally it'll be repeating a certain pattern, like, it's like automatic stuff like going mm-hmm. to CNN and just be like, I wonder what happened. But I was there recently mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Or like I'll play a chess game. And then it's just like, I'm not really playing it. I'm just, so then now I just try to walk away from the the thing. i just change to a different activity because then I can like reinstate my level of mindfulness. Otherwise it's, it's really hard. I just keep repeating. And then I, I it's, it's very dissatisfying. I get upset. That I let myself... Right, then you get into this like, second arrow stuff. And
2: yeah. It's not helpful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but you, I, I, you can put down the, the guilt, you know? It's like, it's like, okay, this is something. There's a certain kind of hunger. We honor it a, a bit uh, without, without indulging. You know, it's like uh, eating or something. Yeah, Yeah. did Chris, Christina and then... Okay, yeah, yeah.
5: So a couple of weeks ago, I set up the hill... And it was my second silent retreat. And um, I'm going to be honest, my first retreat, I didn't give up my cell phone. And Mm -hmm. it was with you, Matthew. Sorry.
2: Hold Um, on. Let me me just get the police one second. Yeah, right.
5: (laughs) (laughs) And this time, um, I sat with the phone and everybody was, you know, the first first day they're talking about the ceremony about giving up the Mm -hmm. phone. And I'm like, no. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I had to sit with the no Mm -hmm. and really really sit with it, like, okay, you're doing silent retreats, so look at what's coming up, and why don't you want to give up the phone? And loneliness came up, and I'm really resonating with what you said about loneliness mm-hmm. and how I'm using this, how I'm aware of it as a mm-hmm. as a spiritual practitioner. You know, I pick up the phone, and sometimes I'm, like, texting ten people, mm-hmm. and I'm making the phone calls. And then it gets to the point of what you just said around the, the um, mindlessness, it's too much, and so it it becomes like I've OD'd, like I'm a, I've got a hangover because I just like texted twenty people and twenty people responded back, mm-hmm. and it's coming from that place of loneliness, and I get concerned because I also know that loneliness in my spiritual practice as a shadow side and as a as a as that edge is also the place where creativity comes out of and where deep deep hurts come out of and can come up, and so I'm. I'm really playing with that around loneliness and this phone that is not a flip phone mm-hmm. and is not also an iPhone, but it, I'm using it mm-hmm. as a surrogate in some ways. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm a very social person. I got lots, la la la, I got all mm-hmm. of it. But yet, there's that underlying mm-hmm. loneliness. That's it. Just seems so basic, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And so I'm I'm interested in in other ways of using that as well because the yep. phone's not going to go away. Although when I go up to the hill to go sit on retreat, I do I now I did put it away last time.
2: Yeah, yeah. I gave it
5: up. I ceremonied it for the week, and yeah, it was hard.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, I appreciate it. You know, uh, there's a question up front that uh, we've been waiting on. Um, so there's something about the overstimulated uh, life that that then when we are alone which is not equivalent to being lonely but is like when we are alone um the the it, it's it we just we're just like it just starts to feel like something's missing it's like no this isn't enough in part because we're so overstimulated sure. but it didn't it didn't used to be like that as much you know it's like we've acclimatized to all these kind of forms, and it's, I'm not being dismissed. Some good, healthy connection ca- happens for sure, but it, we we've acclimatized to a level of pseudo connection and pseudo companionship that does something, but not actually much. And um, but it makes the times when we're we're alone actually feel more barren potentially, and. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that is an aspect of the the training, and um, yeah. Anyway, we'll we'll try to hopefully speak to some of that in the second second half.
1: Just one super uh, quick uh, yeah. comment on that. So yesterday we did a sit at, at work, kind of midday, right? And I was like, it was just like just one minute because we have so much stuff going on. But that that stop in, in between this before the staff meeting yeah, is is a good practice. So we're trying next week is going to be two minutes. We made it like two. That's good. Uh, it's a start. But um, how fast my heart was beating, I was like, oh my goodness, like, the rate we run at, because it's, it's a very intense work, uh, so much going on, and you just realize like the contrast and how, what speed we're running at. Like This is not necessarily a phone thing, mm-hmm. but it's just all of the environment. For many of us, we are running very, very fast, and when you sit for a moment midday, you, it, it becomes really obvious. So that's just and so then naturally there's a discomfort because that's again training, that's what you're getting used to, is this like hyper stimulated mode of operating.
2: Yeah. Okay.
6: Yeah. <laughs> um, I wrote so many things down, I I couldn't possibly cover them in the rest of this <laughs> seminar. So I'm trying to figure out what is most important and um I think what's, what's bothering me the most is, is you know, I'm, I'm an elder. And so I wrote my master's thesis on a manual typewriter, okay? So we're talking about a rapid change that, that is so phenomenal. And I just wonder, I remember when I was eight years old, we lived in a house that was surrounded by a porch We had all our neighbors used to walk in the neighborhood, come by the neighborhood, tell stories. The children played. We had social connection, real social connection. And then everything got modernized. They took the porch off the house, and everything went inside because we got what's called a television. And it was unbelievable how everyone went inside and was focused on this screen. Our neighborhoods went down. Fear increased. We didn't have the personal connection, and I see that. I mean, I can't even walk down the street now and say hello to somebody now, and it is phenomenal, and I I just wonder if there's any uh, uh, neurophysiological uh, brain studies being done, especially when you're exposing a young child. They're laying down neuropathways that could be permanent for them and could be permanent for us in our culture. So I'm sounding an alarm too, and the reason I'm here is because of this. Um, I find that I have a natural aversion to the computer, and I was fighting it, fighting it, saying, oh, you're just old, you can't can't keep up, you don't want to, and everybody will buy into that, you know. But then I thought, no, I'm trusting myself. I'm a 30-year meditator, there's something going on in me that is needs to be listened to. So I came here, you know, wanting to learn more. Thank you. You've at least (laughs) validated
1: that. Oh, you're looking really good now, right? You're just going to be like, I knew this. I knew this from the beginning.
3: (laughs) No,
6: no, no. It's just, you know, a real concern that we're making a lot of changes in our brains very rapidly. And where are we going with this? I see also the potential for brainwashing, for, for total control of cultures this way, of people. So I'm glad our eyes are opening, and mm-hmm. I'm glad you're being, uh, putting this out here, so thank you. Um, and one of the things I want to say is I'm not sure about mindlessness. I can't wrap my mind around what mindlessness is, or is it simply a refocusing of our mind on something else? So <laughs> you're choosing to focus it on television, there's backgrounds get coming in you're, you're programming again you're sub, you know your subjective consciousness is open to what's coming in mm-hmm. and there's values coming in there mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. all other kinds of uh, mental so just mm-hmm. other thoughts yeah and uh, again, thank you for opening up the field here.
2: Thank, thank you,
7: you. Uh, yeah. um, my My question is mostly about. How to help people with this. Mm. I um, used to work in film and and television, and I worked with a lot of influencers, and Mm. um, a lot of their issues were about the deterioration of their communication Mm. with others. Because, and also their ability to function in the world, just expecting things to happen quickly and being very frustrated when they didn't um, and and asking me as someone who was older than them, was it always this way <laughs> and um, uh, and I'm also a child of this world, so you know um, i didn't necessarily have an answer, but um, I work in holistic nutrition now, and i'm finding that my clients. You know, being in a totally different arena um, and having chosen to be in that arena are still up against these same things. Not being able to, as you put it, tackle adversity. Um, and finding they're frustrated about why don't I have mechanisms for adapting mm. with humans being, I believe, the most adaptable animal on the planet. How come we can't seem to? Um, get over our need to have things immediately Mm -hmm. so i'm just wondering if you i'm I'm hoping to come here to help them to also help myself because i am part of the stew as well Mm -hmm. um but if you have any Mm -hmm. any uh advice or strategies
2: about that yeah and and specifically around around promoting promoting resilience, or you're you're just feeling like in your in your clients people feel more brittle or more you know less resilient or
7: well you know they they come to someone who has background in holistic nutrition because they want to become more self-sufficient and more back to Mm -hmm. basics and that kind of Mm -hmm. thing and then finding this resistance to doing so Mm -hmm. um and then also there is this uh there's a a bit of a victimhood that Mm -hmm. i'm finding Mm -hmm. um within myself too being Mm -hmm. in this society like why can't i have it right now Mm -hmm. you know and and anyway what you were talking about earlier made me think that the technology has something to do with that.
2: Mhm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, well, um I I really appreciate the the sincerity of the question and um I you know when we we come, you know, in the second second half, well we we'll, we will talk about some of these some of these um you know uh, put the kind of uh, hacks simple kind of things that we can do, but to some level this is a these are problems that are going to have to be solved at a at a pretty grand scale actually, and that the the aspiration of an organization like Center for Humane Technology is to try to align. Uh, technological development with, hum- with supporting well being you know your field right, and so um, that 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 's a kind of generational struggle, probably you know not to use not to be melodramatic about it, but it probably is that, and there are things that we can do, and one thing came to mind that uh, i 'll share, but to some extent, these are uh, pretty epic forces acting on us. Um, So the one thing that that came to mind with your question was um, there's this line of research around around behavior change. How do we change behaviors? And this was actually around adolescent eating and adolescent obesity and how do we actually support healthy eating in kids. And this is a known problem for a long time. And public health people have been working on this and designing interventions and... um, and, you know, and the interventions have have typically basically um, tried to leverage a concern about one's future health to eat now, yeah, to eat healthy now. Yeah, so it's like, well, if you eat this way, then, you know, you're more likely to have diabetes at later age, you know, all this. And it's essentially trying to say, well, the concern about that that distant future it has to be more potent than the rewarding power of the donut now, yeah? And so, they've so tried the these donuts. interventions. Oh, yeah, the they, we, we need an example, we need an example. So, um, they've tried a lot, they've done a lot of this work, a lot of these interventions, they haven't worked. It hasn't worked to change eating in a durable way, and... This the, this kind of new line of research has come up where it's like, look, we need to actually think in more nuanced ways about about behavior change and about motivating people to do things that are not so easy. And this promise of a distant reward is not actually the best way to yeah. do it. What we what we and this goes for meditating you know, to motivate ourselves to meditate, to motivate ourselves to put the phone down to whatever. It's like, we actually need a reward that happens now. And so what, what is an interesting research group that looked at how do we actually speak to the values that adolescents already have and enlist those to support healthy eating? Yeah. So, mm-hmm adolescents have a strong, you know, autonomy, like autonomy and anti-authority kind of thing. We have to frame this intervention of healthy eating in terms of that. So we're not gonna say, well, don't you wanna be healthy in 20 years? We're gonna say, these food companies are messing with your mind and exploiting your body. And they're not just that, they're targeting the most vulnerable people because there's also this strong uh beyond the self social justice kind of impulse in in adolescence that's powerful and so okay these companies are actually use, so so they're they're essentially leveraging the values the kids already have and then in choosing a healthy food, they're sticking it to the man. They're, they're standing up to, to, you know, for vulnerable populations that are disproportionately targeted by the advertising. And it's like, okay, that's the reward in that moment. And that actually, that's not about not having diabetes in 20 years, 30 years or something. That's actually like, right now, that feels aligned with my values. And There's that that logic is is potent, and I think um, thinking through our interventions, and you're in the intervention business, so so am I, as a meditation dharma teacher. It's like an intervention. How do we actually speak to the values people have now, and and. And you use that leverage that as a way of encouraging healthy kind of behavior so that's the, that was the one piece that came up uh uh-huh. yeah and by the way, that is the move if you want
1: to talk to kids or grandkids like that's the move, same move with the kids and phones, right? Do not tell them to like get off their phone, tell them they're being manipulated and monetized, and then, like if they're old enough to understand it works it's this the move it's like it really does work well. Um, I have a colleague who gives a lot of presentations in schools and, um, you kind of, you can kind of get them to all acknowledge what's going, like, so do you, do you, are you on Snapchat? Do you participate in Snapstreaks? Do you like Snapstreaks? No. Right. They'll all be like, yes, yes, yes. No. And, or, and then you explain, right, actually they're just trying to do, there's certain things that people are trying to do to make money off of you. And that, that I think is a much more interesting, um, Again, very current, like matches with what is strong for them. And it works. And one other quick thing on the resilience thing was um, the, the search for the answer is as important as the answer. Right? This is the journey and destination parallel. Right? And that is lost now, right? Because the search is pretty quick. You just type it in and it's like, there is no search, right? It's just like, it's as hard as typing it in to the search. And it Done. That's a big problem, actually, right? Because it's teaching all of us how, again, it's, it's, there's a lot to explore in there, but that's part of why, like with kids, um, you don't go to the card catalog and then like find the Dewey Decimal number and be like, oh, that's in the 700s, let's walk to the 700s. And you're like, okay, it's 710 some, right? But, but that search has value, right? And that's just gone. It's just, it's gone in, in very large part. And then there's all these uh, corollaries, right? Like the idea that you know everything just because you typed it once and you read one sentence on a topic and it's like, all right, but like there's all this background that you need to know, right, to really understand a topic, but have you taken the time to learn that or did you just learn enough to then like do the next thing you need and look smart that day,
2: right? So all, there's, there's a lot to mm. dig into there. Um, let, let's, let's pause where we're past time for our, our break. <laughs> we'll, we'll be, we can, um, talk one-on-one with folks during the break. Let's have a si- Let's be silent, uh, during the break. Is that okay to be, to be quiet? If you need to, if you're here with somebody you need to talk to, them, it's, it's fine. But, but maybe just, just like be quiet. Do not use your phones during the break. But bring your phone back. We might have a use for it. Oh, yeah. like go to our car and get it? If you have, yeah. <laughs> bring your phone. Bring your phone. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, um, yeah, so we'll ring the bell in about 10 minutes mm-hmm. or so. Okay, thanks. Thank you. So let's um, let's sit for a little bit. Um, be different than usual. When we sit we put down momentarily all the complications of being human, the greed and the distress, the threat, the opportunities. In other words, we really can stop trying to solve problems. The problems of pain and uncertainty persist, of course. But for this time we let go of the effort to find solutions and instead rest. Rather than changing our life, we're willing to be changed by experience. Just quietly blessing the moment with awareness and gentleness. Our lives, our attention is continuously grabbed by bright lights, loud sounds, sudden sounds, strong feelings, by technology that seems to beckon us. attention is captured. But here, sitting quietly together, there's nothing to grab the attention so dramatically. The mind becomes a bit simpler. Just this breath, body, flow of sound and feeling. Nothing is urgent right now. Something in the heart relaxes when we connect with experience. And when that experience happens to be difficult, maybe because we're actually connected, we have a relationship with our life. A moment, Randy's going to uh, play some familiar sounds. As you hear this, just keep the mind open in this way, and and notice the impact. Notice what happens to the mind, the emotional circuits of the body. Stay practicing formally for some minutes. Noticing the movements of the mind, associations... without the sounds, just um, actually calling to mind your phone, which in a minute I'll ask you to take out. Just noticing whatever uh, version or anticipation, delight, or anxiety, or hunger. And so staying in the flow of uh, meditation practice, but not not taking that so seriously. Just staying awake, awake to the moment. Please um, take out your, we'll do it in silence as a formal practice. Take, Take your phone out. Turn your phone on. Just yeah, sensing what that's like, and for a couple minutes. Would invite you to actually um, use the phone as if we were on a break, yeah, and you were checking your phone and you your energy is going into just using the phone and one pinky toe outside that realm in some awareness of just what's being evoked, yeah what flavors are running through your mind. So go, go ahead, do whatever you do. If you don't have a phone or don't have it with you, just uh, continuing to practice, feeling into your, your own calling to mind, your own relationship with technology. One more minute, then I'll ask you to put it down. If you haven't already, uh, please put it down. And we'll take just maybe a minute or two before we finish this formal period of practice. Just sensing the impacts on mind and body. What felt complete? What feels incomplete? Did you want more time? How was the juxtaposition of the instructions at the beginning and then the sounds and your own phone? Sensing the reverberations of that little experiment for a minute. Thank you. Um, it was actually kind of surprisingly um, uh, poignant to see you all on your phones actually, you know, with, with your, like in this space <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> with i should have taken a picture (laughs) with this space and this you know like a certain momentum of a couple hours practicing together you know being awake together and then and then just to see that it was um yeah it was i don't i actually i i don't fully know what it evoked in me but it evoked something uh um so what we wanted to to uh to do is um n- not for for long but um maybe a couple minutes each in groups of 3. How was that what did, what did you notice um for the few of you who didn't have a phone like can just talk more generally about your relationship with with these themes and um we won't go in a kind of you know 2 minutes and then i'll ring the bell and the next person just t- sort of get a sense of the time yourself and um i'll give some warnings when time is is um, you know when we're halfway through and then closer to done and and the idea is to just share from your heart like what well, what are you what did you notice what uh what are you um seeing in your own mind and you don't have to it doesn't have to like echo what we've been saying. It can be your own personal experience of it, whatever it is. Um and uh then we'll we'll come back together. Randy'll share um a bit around um, you know, some of the activities of the the, the, the uh the org, the nonprofit he's involved with and
1: uh, Only because there's just, like, how to solve the problem, that kind of right, thing. It's not, right, not. It's not a promo for, for... Yeah, oh, oh, yeah. I yeah. just want to be really quick. No. It's uh, not that kind of uh, oh, thing. Oh, yeah, 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 that's right. So that's because right. people keep asking, like, how oh, do you... Oh, do you
2: right, 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 right. <laughs> yes. Randy, for, let me tell you about Randy and his illustrious history as a former tech person. No, okay. No. No. Um, <laughs> This is no, this was not intended to be a promotion for a non-profit, at but not it's at a all. good org. It's a good org. I'm not involved, so I can say it. Um, right. Groups of uh, groups of three. What was that like? What did you notice? And then we'll we'll come back together. Uh, we'll take about ten minutes overall. So think about two minutes each, and then a little conversation. Yeah. We'll come back. Yeah. Talking. are about halfway through. about one more minute. But I, I think uh, before we have some some closing questions discussion, uh, Randy, will say some things about s- some of the the kind of levels at which the these questions the problem is is being addressed, and some some very concrete, simple things uh, that uh, that we can do. Yeah. Um,
1: maybe yeah. Maybe I'll start with the, the the big one, which is sort of like how do you solve a problem like this? It's a really hard one. It's one of the really big ones. Um, and the I'll just give a really quick answer, which is, um, or at least our thinking about it, which I think we've thought a lot about it, uh, within the capitalist frame, right? Because there are people working on changing that. That's a different, that's a, another problem, and it's, it's hard to, to do that. It'll take time. But within that frame, you can use the idea of uh, incentives, right? Like the, the idea of redefining what a good product is, right? The whole idea of capitalism is around there's good products. When you build a good product, people will suppliers will build it, and the demand will come to buy it, right? That's how it works. Uh, so you can, you can actually exert some pressure to redefine what a good product is, um, on one hand, you can use pressures, right? Like when the, when the media talks about how terrible your product is, that increases the cost to you, right, as a producer of that product, to keep producing that product. That product becomes, in effect, more expensive, which means less people would use it. Um, political pressure, right, laws that penalize you when you build products that are harmful increases the cost, right? So that, that encourages you to find a new way to do it, to, to build a better product. Um, if you have pressure from inside your company by the people who build the product, that increases the cost of like retaining them right of of continuing to build that harmful product and then there 's the kind of inspiration side right? the side that teaches you how to how to build a better product for less money right how to do that so that 's a way of making your product actually cheaper in effect right that more people would use it. So, you put all that together, this is a very high level explanation of it. but if you put all that together, that combination of pressure and incentives redefines economically right what makes a good product and tilts the market forces to towards better products right so uh, some companies are better positioned to do that than others, so for example apple is is quite well positioned to do that because they don't rely on advertising to make them money right so they're they have a. You can make a pretty good case for saying, "Look, I'm going to sell you this phone. It's going to look out for you. That's what my phone does for you, versus the other phones from other manufacturers. Because actually, that's aligned with my. I win and you win at the same time when I give you when I build a phone like that, right? So that's just an example. Um, they're well positioned to do that. But if if you have a business model that is reliant on extracting people's attention it's a lot harder to fix that if you give them back the attention you lose your money so then it it doesn't it doesn't line up very well right so that's the the kind of short version um and so this is what we're trying to do it's a you you need a lot of leverage you need to get uh big voices involved and and have a big like media platform to kind of exert any pressure that has meaning in this kind of at, at the in a trillion dollar uh these are the biggest businesses in the world right um, among the top 10 companies so uh, you have to be you have to use different like, uh, levels of leverage to be to be successful but that's kind of the short the short answer to how we're approaching that uh, in the meantime till that's solved uh, there are you're sort of left with these kind of band-aid solutions right like what are you going to do what are you going to change when you go home today? Some things are uh, actually in, right, The, the Apple Screen Time and Google Wellbeing, right, the use of Grayscale or, like, reduction of notifications, adding do not disturb, sleeping, like, nighttime hours, right, like, don't use your device close to bedtime, like, what you do in your bedtime matters a lot, this is really important for kids, too, like, especially the last hour or two before bedtime, you know, your brain ends up processing that a lot, um, which is why, like, metta practice is a good thing to do late, near near bedtime. It's a good thing to process, right? Gratitude or this type of thing is much better than looking at the news or playing a violent video game. Like, these things really do mess up your, you know. <laughs> Just, no. I, The number of kids who are doing that is, is kind of, is alarming. And... Then people wonder, or working, or working, right? This is also true for all of us who are like working. If you if you end up working too late, I always make sure, you know. Um, sometimes in the middle of the day, I'll go swim. So then I'll work later to make up for that time. But if I work anywhere, it's I found for me one hour makes a huge difference. If I go like fifty nine minutes, I'll sleep much worse. Like it, it gets much worse um, if I work too close. I will fall asleep and then I'll wake up at 2 or 3 with thoughts spinning like right, related to what I was doing. And it's just stupid when you know that, right? If you know that about yourself. It's really foolish to continue right to to do that and then be like, "Wow, I don't sleep well." When you know why, right? So, things like that that we can do um exploring the that ego side of emails and needing to respond, right? There's a lot in there to look at. That's another one that I think applies to a very wide, wide group of people because um, we all get trapped in that, that myth. Uh, at home, you can do things like device-free dinner. But again, you don't want to implement a small slice of solution that just like ina- keeps enabling the rest of it. But these are all, these are all little things that can help. Uh, Grayscale helps a lot of people. A lot of people report that switching their phone to Grayscale reduces the attraction. Of the phone the yeah. oh grayscale sorry so so that's like you it turns it takes away all the colors so you can turn that on in um, the, both the Apple and Google products like you can you can basically change your screen to monochromatic it's, it's all shades of green uh, you have to go in your settings and if you look it up like on, on Google you you'll find the instructions it's like, <laughs> The answer to everything is there, right? So, it's it's, uh, but it works really well for for a lot of people, and you can actually set it up. So it's like if you double tap your again, every phone is different, right? But like on the older iPhones, you could just double tap the the circle button, and it would switch, for example, right? So that's easy enough that when you want to take photos, it's still colorful, and the rest of the time it's off. Uh, yeah, people people report great success with that. Um notifications like a lot of the apps by default have notification on why because they need right they want you to come back into them as much as possible so like i've turned off almost all of my notifications and i I don't use text a lot, so I just don't get a lot of notifications on my phone it doesn't pull my attention that much um I set it up like we use we use a program called Slack at work to communicate with each other. I have notifications on only when people send me a direct message and only on my desktop and on the phone it just it's not on at all so unless I go and look at it, I won't see it and people know that, and it's fine it's totally fine um, you know so so depending on how you've got i think a lot of it is is what expectations you set up like a lot of people have set up. Every time they get an email, it shows up on their phone. That is like one of the worst, most terrible ideas you can do. It's just like, and then they have their phone and they're talking and they do this. And they're talking and they do this all the time. Because like, of course, and that's the other thing is keep your phone upside down, right? Or away from you when you are actually meeting with someone. If you're having a meeting at work, just teach everybody to like have their phones face down or in their pockets or somewhere else. Turn off like all the, all the notifications that are constantly you know coming in. Because those slice your brain. And every time that slice happens, it takes a while to refocus. I forget the number, but it's like 21 minutes or something to get back. When you're in a zone and you're working on something and a notification comes in, it takes a long time to get your attention back to where it was and and you are now being trained to do that right this is the other piece that is easy to forget that we are always um always getting trained right to do this is why right effort is so important even though right effort is like sounds so obvious to just not do the things that are bad and keep doing the things that are good like it sounds so obvious but the reason that is so important is because of the training aspect of it right every time we're doing these things we're making a choice about how to train so I think looking at that is really important. Um, Simplifying your apps. Like, I don't have a lot of apps on my phone. And I I have only functional things. And I think that, and and then a whole bunch on one screen for like the long flight to Sri Lanka. Like, that's just anything. Anything that will help (laughs) is good. Um, But the rest of the time, right, it really is like, Google Maps, FaceTime, make sure your first screen only has the stuff that you you need, right? And and nothing else. And when someone says, like, do you want to play Farmville? Just don't do it. Like it's not I play chess games, it's true. Like like I, I am trying to like my wife's always trying to keep me from like keep that keep those things to a minimum. Like figure out when they're useful and when they become mindless. Like that. And and when uh when that mindlessness is helpful to you, I generally don't like it. So I, I just try to switch to some other activity when I'm in that mindless mode because I, I don't find it to be... I don't find it to be as helpful. You know? Like, I'm just like, oh. I, I'm doing things that I, I'm, I... My hands are doing things that my mind is not matched up with and I don't like that. So then I switch to something else. Um, so those are just a few few tips, I think, that will help um, change the defaults right from... like. What a lot of apps that people use a lot, Skype, WhatsApp, they're all defaulted to just like tell you all the time, and about stupid things like so and so's online. Like just they're trying to find anything, right, <laughs> to tell you, right? uh, And and it's 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 quite incredible, and that's part of the game, right? They, they but it's it's so far from being useful to you now. Some of the notifications that you get, so just doing an audit. And, and reducing those will, will help a lot. Uh, and you'll find and this is a personal thing, but like I hate texting because it texting is is a complete brain slicer, right? You so the way it works is you pick up the phone, you say, like, I'm gonna use you as an example, but you're a terrible example. Because you're like, hey Matthew, how's it going? Right? And or or whatever, right? how's it going? You put the phone down, and he's like, Yay, you know, good, or whatever. And then you're like <laughs> And you're like, oh, okay, and you're like, you know, uh, or why or something, because like, he can't text. So, <laughs> like, how's it going? Why? Like, oh. all right, man, good. But, but the point is, right, so what happened to my brain when that happened? Right, so then I was good, and then I got back to whatever it is I was doing, right, uh, talking to someone or maybe back to work on something, and then it goes, mmm. and you're like, oh, okay, all right, oh, Why? the hell does that mean Matthew question mark right send you put it down right so that pattern is what everyone is living right now and it, it's like how how do they do it I don't know because it feels so uncomfortable and so you should like if you start paying attention to it then you you try to find some other way of doing it uh, a lot of times it's better to just pick up the phone and talk because it and also if you put a clock on yourself you see how much time you're wasting typing back and forth, it's very slow. Even on a chat chat program or whatever, it's very slow. And it's just attention slicing, and you end up wasting more time. So you think it's efficient. Like, There's so many wrong assumptions there about how we spend our time. So just there's like a hundred things like this, but that's just one that I think is practical, um, for applies to many people. Can I add just one? Other, yeah, of course. Um, yeah. First thing in the morning, right, right, and that's another one, yes, yes. So repeating the point here is, yeah, uh, whatever habits you have that are good, like meditating in the morning, try not to check your phone first, because then that plants the first thought, right? And and especially things like checking the news, like don't check the news very often, you don't need to know that often. Um, well, because it becomes, again, a, a training, a thing that is, is giving you a little bit of a dopamine hit, right? So a lot of this is physiological. It's engineered for physiological response, right? That's the game. And you have to know that you're just a human. Like, that's okay. But that makes you vulnerable to a lot of these these patterns, right, That 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 are used to monetize you. And so checking the news three, four times a day and getting activated by it is really not a helpful thing. So I don't check the news very much at all, um, and I it helps a lot because yeah. I am I, the way I think of it is I'm clear on what I'm trying to do to help, and I'm going to really try and focus on that, and getting like upset about everything every day by design is just just not going to help me. Uh, so things like that,
2: um, you know, um, I, I'm I'm not saying this I. I I'm I'm a hypocrite on this front, but because um, I do check the news a lot,
1: this um, is why you left your phone. Actually, yeah, that he, was he it. Could was not in the th- stop th- <laughs> checking.
2: Shh. <laughs> yeah, no, it was I very. Were... No, no, I'm joking. It was very. It was very Sorry. news. Very news based. It was actually. It was after yeah. the presidential election, and I was. I was that like significantly amplified the compulsive kind of checking um, in a very mature and, fashion, right? It was. No, it was it was there was a lot of emotion, and now it's it's a little bit different, but it is it's 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 charged. It's tied into like deep values and commitments, but it like encourages compulsivity, and so it's something to be careful of and. Mm uh you know a, a mentor of mine who lived at um at Tassahara um you know where um uh, you know the they would get the they would get the papers 2 days late you know it was actually like the delivery schedule was such that they would be seeing papers 2 days after it was published, yeah, and what what they said was there was something very different about reading the paper, knowing that it was some days old, yeah, and it 's the exact opposite what I notice now it 's like i i i, I don 't even want to wait for the Washington Post to publish it, like I want to know you know <laughs> when they 're just sending out like this just you know like like instantaneous and um and uh, you know some of that is a feature of this distinctive political moment, but some of it is is um, um you know I'm sure will continue. So, um, can I add one one? Yeah, last please, thing? please.
1: The last thing is this idea that you know just practice with it; it'll be okay. I do think technology, our relationship with technology, is an opportunity to practice, observe the mind, observe the, the ego. Thing, right? There's some really good ones, like the, the email self-importance thing, that's a really good one. The slicing of your brain when you, when you use it, that's a good one. Um, shift of values, like where it drives you to, like looking at your intention when you post, like that's a good one. But generally speaking, staying with it and trying to win that battle with your mindfulness, your powerful mindfulness, is a really difficult, is a really difficult battle and it, I don't recommend it. The better option there is to actually reduce your usage, figure out where you really need it, where it's really helpful, and then change your try to change your habits so that you don't use it as much and you use something else to substitute. Um, that's just my, my two cents on it because I don't think it's one that humans are well-equipped to, to win. Yeah, don't want to delude ourselves, right, about what's realistic.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it it does to me feel, also feel like it's it's um, kind of behavioral commitments rather than an attempt to practice with it. It's actually like, no, we just have to just leave it at home for this walk with somebody, you know, that or that kind of thing, or um, and so just being. Um, strategic in that way and then and then there's there's something about um about just really affirming the sanctity of our attention you know like that the this is um we we ought to take it very seriously right like like randy said like we're we're being trained all the time. We're practicing something all the time. Yeah, I remember there was a moment, I'd been practicing for some years, but it just like a moment where it was just, I was just kind of busy and distracted and and it was just like this very clear bell, like, oh, this is what I'm practicing. and And we're practicing all the time. And to start to appreciate that not in some sort of guilt inducing way where it's like, I always need to be doing, you know, doing this or doing that. Or, you know, it's like, I can't zone out at all or what, you know, like not, not to get into that realm, but just to actually, for that to land in the heart that, that, um, we're, we're practicing or being practiced, you know? And, um, and that, um, yeah, that we, we, we actually, we have a lot of it in some ways, attention. Yeah. But it is totally a precious kind of commodity and how we actually use that and what we allow in, um, is a real, it's a, it's a kind of ethical question. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, to the extent that that, that question is, is, um, you know, more prominent in your mind. That's that's a good thing. And uh, yeah, think
1: of it as part of right effort. Like that's right. the that's the kind of in our framework, right? That's a very clear place where that ties in very directly mm-hmm. to explore.
2: All right, let's just sit for a moment before we we finish. To the extent that there's um, anything uh, sharp or tender about this conversation, this exploration, just remembering the bomb of kindness. May we uh, may we use our lives well. May our energies be directed towards our own well-being, and may the goodness overflowing from our heart be a blessing in some way for everyone we encounter. Thanks, folks. Um, Thank you so much. The the re- this was recorded, so it'll be on Dharma Seed um, uh, behind a, a code. Um, it may be public, um, but right now it's it's um, the code should be posted out there. So you go to Dharma Seed and you can look look for that. If anybody who asked a question. Um, doesn't want the recording to be public. Please just quietly come let me know, and we'll keep it behind the code. Otherwise, it'll just be available freely. And uh, yeah, I wish you uh, wish you all well. Thank you. Thanks, Randy. Thanks, yep. thanks, yeah. Matthew. Yeah. Yeah.